Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend, Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachi Gitin, daf 9, page 7. Uh, so I want to start with an interesting story that takes place with Mar Ukva. Uh, and of course, we should do a little bit of a who's who here. Uh, Mar Ukva is of a first-generation Amurayim who's um, living in uh, Babel, obviously. Uh, he's a, you know, sort of lives at the same time as Shmuel and Naharda, uh, but defers a little bit to Shmuel as well, but he is the Exilarch. Um, and so therefore, it's very interesting, right? The Exilarch was sort of this political position where you were sort of the political leader of the Jews. Um, and, uh, you know, so he is, so technically from a certain capacity, the Exilarch is sort of the highest position that any Jew um, can have. But Shmuel was probably the bigger Talmud Chacham uh, at the time. And so Marukva sends the following question, which is also interesting that acting as the Exilarch, even though he is the highest political position, he is, um, you know, asking this type of halachic question. And I think this shows a little bit that there is definitely a separation between political and um, and religious leadership. Shlachle Mar Ufa Rabbi Elazar. So uh, Mar Ufa sent the following question to Rabbi Elazar. There are people who want to attack me. Now, again, because, you know, he is in this political position, it's, you know, very understandable to see that probably there were people who disagreed with him and did so very, very publicly. And he says he has it within his power that he could hand them over to the authorities. And everyone should pay attention to this key word here, which is lemasram. There's a concept that you may see thrown around sort of uh, newspapers, particularly uh, a certain type of Jewish newspaper, which talks about this whole idea of being Moser somebody. And the idea is, it brings up the question, can a Jew hand sort of give information to a non-Jewish government about another Jew, right? That they were doing something illegal. Um, and that's the concept of Moser. And as we see from this, you know, he asked Mahu, what's the law about this, right? So he has a Jewish adversary. Is he allowed to turn this Jewish adversary over to the Mahu, to the government of Babel? Uh, right? So Rabbi Elezer basically scored lines on a paper. Now, this is why this story is quoted here, because on yesterday's stuff, we talked about, uh, you know, a piece of paper or a get having scored lines. And he replies to Mar Ufa. And so what he does is he replies by quoting a pasuk in Tehillim uh, 39.2 that says, I will guard my ways from sinning with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle, even while the wicked one stands before me. Right? And basically, what does this mean? Even though a wicked one is fighting against me, Right, that's how he uses the word lenekti. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle. And so, what he's basically saying is, quote David Hamelach, who also had many enemies, is that even if you know that somebody is trying to undo you, you have somebody wicked who is trying to hurt you or destroy you, you're going to not complain about that person. You're going to keep a muzzle. You're not going to report that person. So Mar Ufa writes back, Shlachle, right? Mar Ufa writes back to Rabbi Elazar. Come, it's sorry, Lituba, but they torment me greatly. Below Matina de Ekumbuhu, and I am not able to withstand them. 
In other words, it's really is, they just don't give up. And so again, Rabbi Lazar replies, Shlachle, he sends back to Marufa, and again quotes another pasuk, Dom Lashem Vihit Cholelo, right? Wait silently for the salvation of Hashem and long for him. And again, this is a pasuk from Tehillim chapter 37, verse 7. And the way he interprets this pasuk is Dom La Hashem, right? Seek Hashem with the redness, okay, meaning the redness of the sun. And he will, you know, Hashem will make them fall corpse upon corpse. Arrive early to the study hall and leave late on account of them. And they will disappear on their own. So in other words, the advice he gives Marufa is, you keep your head down, do what you need to do. You go to the Beit Midrash earliest, you leave latest eventually God is going to take care of them. And then what happens? The words left Rabbi Elazar's mouth. And then the authorities put Ginva, right? This seems to be the name of the person who was his adversary, uh, in change, in chains. Meaning, so Marukva didn't have to do anything, uh, but this actually, um, this actually came to be. Uh, so, you know, it's a very, very interesting Gemara because today, at least, it's these types of Gemaras that are very, very much used uh, by certain segments of the Jewish population to say that when there are really things that sort of need to be, that are illegal or should be reported to the authorities, um, particularly, let's say, around issues of sexual abuse, these are the types of the Gemaras that will get quoted to say, no, you can't be Moser. That's not what we're supposed to do. And I think it's important to point out that a government that probably was in place in the Amorayim is very different than, let's say, our modern legal systems, right? Where I think most of us can agree uh, that they're really there to serve to, and to function and to protect people. And I also want to notice that I think there's a very big difference where Marukva says it's him who is personally being hurt. And the question is, should he be Moser? Versus if you know somebody's hurting other people, should you should you report that? And I think those are actually two very, very different scenarios. The Gemara then goes on um, and, uh, you know, talks about another question that was sent to Marufa, which I'm going to skip, which is about whether or not, you know, music is prohibited. Um, and what's interesting about this is that this actually was should sound familiar to those of you who had learned Sota with us, the very similar Gemara appeared at the end of Sota about the prohibition of music. And in fact, on this staff altogether, there's a couple of Gemaras here uh, that were referenced in Sota. I think it's interesting to see so soon after we finished Sota. Um, but then they go back to this question about sort of being silent, even when you have people who are your enemies and are trying to destroy you. And so they quote another teaching here, Amr Le Rafuna Barnatan Rav Ashi. So Rafuna Barnatan said to Rav Ashi, so here, this is quoting a pasuk in Yoshua chapter 15, verse 22, which is listing different cities in the town of Yehuda. The names of the towns are Kina, Demona, and Adada. And they're going to take these words and sort of make a drush on it. Amarle, so he says, Ravashi says back to Rav Hunabarnatan, Matvata de Eretz Yisrael Kachashi. Right, it's listing the towns of Eretz Yisrael, and so Rav Huna Bar Natan says, "Amar Lei says to him, Atu Anu Lo Yadana De Matapta De Eretz Yisrael Kachashi." Do I not know that this verse is listing the towns in Eretz Yisrael? Ela Rav Geviha Me Argiza Amar Batama, but Rav Geviha from Argiza 
had this, you know, homiletical explanation of this pasuk. Anyone who has anger against his fellow but stays quiet. Right? God, who dwells forever, will, will, will basically do judgment on his behalf. So he's taking... If you look, the names of these towns, right, Kinao, Bedimunav, Adada, and uh, he's using those words for this, you know, homiletical explanation. Now, Ravashi objects to this. Amarle, he says, Elameata, Silak, Udin, U, Madmana, the Sansana. So he says, no, there's, uh, there's three other cities that are listed, right? Silag, Madmana, and Sansana. Hey, Hanami, right? Can you also give an explanation for this? And so he says, Amarle, he says, yes. Right? So again, Rav Gavina uh, from Bea Griza would, would say the same thing, right? Would also have a homiletical explanation. Hava Amar Batama, right? This is what he would have said. Rav Acha, uh, he would have had one as well. Now, they don't say what it is right away. Um, but instead they say, Rav Acha mi Bechoza Amar Fahachi, right? Rav Acha from Bechoza, he had an explanation for this verse. And he said, Anyone who has a complaint about his livelihood against his fellow. And again, this is referring to um, uh, the, the, uh, the beginning part of the Pasuk. Shochem Bitzna Osel Lodin, right? Who dwells in a, in a thorn bush, okay? Will execute judgment on his behalf. So I, this one, I wasn't clear which part because the word domain appears on that first half of the Pasuk, but the word sna comes from, from san sana, which is the second half of the Pasuk. But that I don't want to focus on this one uh, uh, as much. But the point here is, is that there does seem to be this right, of the idea that's sort of like, you should stay silent and God will take care of it for you. And I, you know, again, I don't think this is necessarily a Gemara, uh, that totally works for our modern sensibilities. But again, I, to me, the emphasis should be, you know, it's one thing for a person to make a decision to remain silent, but it's a very different type of decision if you know somebody's actions are harming others and you don't stand up to do something about this. So I, I, I think that to me is the key point to understanding this Gemara. It's, you know, it, 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 it's, you know, you know someone's doing something to you, what do you do as an individual, right? But I don't think that's saying something about what the community's responsibility is. So I think that there's something going on here that is, I think the way the Gemara treats this topic and the way it is taken, I want to say even out of context in the way it is used today, I think it's really to that degree taken out of context. I would note like the perhaps the most famous, um, you know, question of whether one could be Moser of late has been Malka Leifer, who's an Australian woman who was accused of multiple, multiple, many, many, 70-something um, counts of, of abuse. And she fled to Israel. And the question was, could she then be extradited to Australia? Because isn't that a question of Moser? And her community kind of kept her under wraps and they lied about her status. And she like lied on psychology, psychiatric exams and psych I don't know, whatever it was, right? Meaning you can read about it in, in whatever, archives of the newspapers type of thing. In the end, she finally did get go back to Australia and she was convicted and so on, right? Meaning she really did the bad stuff. She Australia was not um, like handling, handing her to, over to the Nazis, right? It was going to be a legitimate process of trial and, and guilt. 
here, what I find remarkable is that this this advice of like be stalwart in your in your standing and learn Torah and 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 you know hold yourself back from you know turning somebody in as what feels to me like a matter of I don't want to say vengeance, but you know he's being irritated or annoyed or he's got this animosity against this guy who has no reason to be handed over. And to me, so it would be like a gratuitous thing. And then he's told to like refine how, you know, Maruk was told to refine how he handles it. So to me, I feel like this business of, you know, who are you in the picture is, it goes beyond, you know, is it a matter of, is it, um, are you the one suffering or are you the one potentially being harmed? I feel like Maruk um I, I don't know. Was he making a mountain out of a molehill? It's hard to know from the pages of the Gemara, from the question that is asked, how bad was the situation really? Well, it I think it was bad. Gratuitous. The person gets the person gets arrested at the end. Yeah. Okay. So, I so yes, I don't. So I don't have an answer. Meaning, I, I don't really. Then, if it's something that he should be arrested for, then why is this a question that gets sent as a shiloh? Look, I think these governments were not the way that they are today. And I think that's why people do of dealing with authorities. But, you know, again, I, I think this is a Gemara that would be sort of misused in a way today. Okay, fair enough. Okay, I'm going to move over to the next little piece, which actually harkens back to Sota, Yordana, as you just said. And you'll recall, we talked about the time when the, the crowns were prohibited from... Uh, they were canceled, basically, from being worn by the groom, the bridegroom and the bride. So here we have a discussion of exactly that, you know, attire adornment. So the Rish Galuta, this is the exilar, who presumably was Marukva, but perhaps not because it's a slightly different generation. How do we know that it was prohibited to put a garland on the head of the groom? So Rav Huna answers back. He says it's from rabbinic law. How do we know it? It's none, but pulmus shall aspasianus. So this is, in fact, a citation from our Gemara in Sota that we just learned, you know, last week. Um, if, if during that time, that war of Vespasian, Gazru they made the decree that the bridegroom cannot wear these garlands. And they also, it mentions, you know, by the way, also, they made the decree against the playing of those drums, which we saw inside back then. But then, so this is like totally too much information. At this time, or in the meantime, at that time, Rav Huna stood up to go relieve himself. He leaves the room. And by the way, I don't think we've seen that before ever thus far in the 18 plus Masakta that we've little, It's such an odd little detail there. Right, like I imagine it happened to others at other times, right? Amar le Rav Chista. So now Rav Chista, who was not talking at this time, because Rav Huna was the one who was talking. Rav Huna is the teacher. Rav Chista is the student. Rav Chista doesn't speak until Rav Huna is out of the room. Amar le Rav Chista. Korakativ ko Amar Hashem Okim Hasir Amitz Nefed Varim Vatarod Zot Lo Zot Ashfala Hasafala Hagbei Vagvoa Hishpil. So what does he say? He quotes a verse from the book of Yechezkel. And he says that there's a Torah, it's a Navi, it's a Tanakh verse to address this. Namely, thus says, says Lord God, 
the miter, right? This is the hat, right? That the Kohen Gadol would wear. The miter will be removed and the garland will be taken off. And this will no more be the same. The low will be exalted and that which is high will be made low. So meaning Rav Chiso is answering the question about why, how do we know that the that the garlands were prohibited? He's got a different answer. But why is the mitznefet of the Kohen, how is that connected to the atara, to the garland of the bridegroom? Ela lomalcha this rather say bismancha mitznefet brosh kohen gadol atara brosh kol adam nistalka mitznefet brosh kohen gadol nistalka atara mirosh kol adam so understand it like this at the time when the kohen gadol would wear that miter that hat so then everybody could wear the garlands whatever there was no prohibition against such a thing but then at the time that when the kohen gadol was no longer able or allowed to wear the miter then the garland is removed from everybody but the hachi atravuna in the meantime, now Rav Huna comes back. They're sitting there. He says, um, they're still talking about it, right? That's what he, you know, and he interrupts basically. And he says to Rav Chista, like, you know, by it's like a, he's swearing at him. You know, my goodness, my, by God, what are you doing? He says, your name is Chista. He says the prohibition that he was talking about was rabbinic, but you, your name is Chista, and your words are find favor. I mean, Chista, and they are good. Chesed, right? You find a you found a good source for the salacha. Rav Huna praises Rav Chista. Fine. The next thing that happens is that we have a story that has a garland. Rav Ina found Marba Rav Ashi breeding a garland. For his daughter, meaning she's getting married. Don't you, you know, don't you hold this by this verse, meaning that same verse that Rav Christa quoted, to say that since the mitre is gone from the coin gadol, nobody's wearing garlands anymore. So he, he's got a different answer, Marbar Avashi. What does he say? When you're talking about the the this mitre and the garlands, you're talking about someone who is like a kohen gadol, like the high priest. But that can only ever be about men. So when you're talking about a woman, they didn't ex- extend this decree, which I find to be fascinating. Primarily because we did see the passage in Zota that says that they canceled the atarot for the for the brides as well. It like it's such a nice natural progression of, of exactly how this could be you know, both interpreted and worn and so on. Um, I'm going to stop here. I do want to say that the rest of the daf, you know, choosing what to talk about today was a challenge because I find this, as in previous dapim here, all of these dapim have a lot of very interesting material and I encourage you all to go read through. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to our Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP and our Talking Time with Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and- Thank you.